Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for Farm Selling Direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Before we dive into the episode for today, one quick note. Ben and Mel's newborn daughter, Hadley, was hanging out with us for the interview. So if you hear any baby sounds in the background, that's their third team member making an appearance on the Direct Farm Podcast. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's podcast. We've got a great conversation for you today with two of our newest farm advisors, Ben and Mel Dickinson of Unconventional Acres, located in southwestern Wisconsin. Welcome, Ben and Mel. It's great to have you guys here on the podcast. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Could you guys start just kind of by introducing yourselves and, and maybe talking a little bit about how you got into farming? Yeah, my name is Ben Dickinson and my wife, Mel Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just kind of started out farming. I think Melissa kind of wanted to know where her food was coming from. And I just enjoy the, the work side of it. And so it kind of meshed it together and here we are now. So where does that passion for farming kind of come from and, and how has that led you to where you are today? Well, I have a dietetics background, so that's where my food passion came from. And then my protein passion, I just, I just wanted to know more and I wanted to be a part of it. We were having a hard time kind of finding those options. And I, I don't know, we were just at a point where we had outgrown our, our city house and we were looking for something more. So we started as homesteaders and just thought we were going to do our own thing, have our big old garden and have some animals. And then we started out pigs and then we had chickens. Yep. And goats. And then goats. It was during my dietetic internship and Ben wanted some cows. And I said, no, we are not getting any cattle. <laughs> during my dietetic internship. Well, sure enough, we ended up with cattle during my <laughs> dietetic internship. We really enjoyed it. We outgrew our homestead and we either had to slow down or move. And I had finished and Ben has some flexibility to move with his job. So we decided to move back to Wisconsin where we're from originally and better for grazing. And we packed up and moved and we've been growing and moving forward ever since. Yeah. <laughs> what are all the products you guys like currently offering? Uh, we have grass-fed, grass-finished beef. We do pasture-raised, forest-finished hog, and free-range eggs. Definitely some growth. I talked to a lot of people, and it's like, oh, we started with a few chickens, or we started as homesteaders, and now we have blah, 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 many acres. Well, it'd be crazy, because I'd leave for work, and I'd come back, and there'd be five more goats and <laughs> 20 more chickens. And I think there was one time I came back and literally our whole garage was filled with <laughs> chicks, turkeys. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And it just started to grow. And, and I think, you know, uh, some days you kind of wake up and it's like, man, what are we doing? Like, this is out of control. Uh, you just kind of regroup and keep going and kind of go with the flow. And there's always a new challenge. And I think that's one aspect that I really like is that there's always another challenge or another thing to overcome and get better at. It's never ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this is kind of what you're getting into there, but how do the two of you kind of manage the work together? You, you have a relationship together and you want to make sure that that's still going well. And you've added a third to your family recently. So how do you guys kind of manage all of that as well as supporting the, the farm and making sure that it stays up and running? You know, that's a difficult one because on top of 
actually having the farm, then you have the business aspect, then you have the partnership aspect, then you have the relationship aspect, and then you have your daily life. And now we have our daughter. It's a lot to juggle and a lot to intertwine. It's a lot different working together as business partners than, you know, just being in a relationship because we are very different, but it's a good different and we complement each other. We're both very passionate and can be (laughs) stubborn, (laughs) but trying to learn how to communicate and work through our differences so we can work together and complement each other. That I think makes us a good team. Yeah, but it is difficult, but like anything else, you know, you just keep working at it and keep Mm -hmm. chugging away at it and it'll get better over time I guess and I I've seen um some other people because I mean farming alone is kind of you're kind of on your own and then having some issues trying to build a business with your partner is hard and it's it's always nice to see that other people struggle with the same exact things that's that's it's helpful it's helpful to know that you're not the only one and it is a pretty common issue Mm -hmm. but Yeah. yeah we've definitely learned and are continuing to improve yeah well and i know van you're still working full-time in another job as well correct yeah so normally i'd work two weeks on and i'm usually away from the farm and then come back and i've got usually equal time off we've been doing that for a really long time that schedule 10 plus years so it's kind of challenging but I, i like it as well because it's nice because when i'm at work in a way i just have to focus on the work and then once i'm home i've got you know two weeks to focus just on farming and leave work in another spot. It's nice. But at the same time, if there's issues here on the farm and I'm away somewhere, not a whole (laughs) lot of help. And as much as we talk through on the phone and I try to explain stuff and make diagrams, but yeah, that's sort of the, the way we do it. And I think at the end of the day, it's better that way. It would be a lot more difficult for me to be able to farm and work off the farm with a regular nine to five or whatever. So yeah, it's always kind of a constant battle. Definitely. Could you talk about that decision to, to transition to an online store and, and why specifically you chose to do that with Barn to Door? Well, first we were looking to upgrade our website and we decided that was something that we really needed to do uh, for the business is to improve the website. And then we happened to stumble upon Barn to Door because the other thing that we were trying to do is we didn't have credit cards set up. So we were just taking checks and cash. So we were just looking to upgrade the website and to add credit card and be a little more professional on that end and make the purchasing process a little smoother as well because it was a multiple step process. And then uh, we happened to come across Barn to Door and it was perfect. It was the right time for us. And It worked really well with what we were doing. And then, and I think too, we had kind of had a website before Barnador and we were looking at how we would incorporate a store. And, and I think we just, it was kind of overwhelming because neither one of us want to sit in front of a computer for a really long time. So it, it was kind of a no brainer yeah, on yeah. our side to be like, Hey, Barnador will set up the website, set up all the payment stuff and make it just super easy on us. We can focus on what we like to do, which is farm. So mm-hmm. that process was awesome. And I think the end result is just, it turned out just awesome. Yeah. Your guys' site does look really good. I think every time I have your site up or some of your pictures up on my computer, people are like, Whoa, where's that? Yeah. Cause I know we had a, a photographer come out and take some pictures and stuff. And then just the way everything was put together. And, and, you know, we were a part of the process as well, designing the website and how we wanted it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the end result, it did turn out super awesome. Yeah. 
part of the use of those pictures and stuff is on your social media. You guys have gained a lot of traction on your social media, especially Instagram, but kind of all your platforms. How have you kind of grown that community over time? Because I think last time I checked, you're at like over 60,000 followers on Instagram. So we haven't done any advertising. So Instagram has been our number one thing. And we don't spend as much time on Facebook, but Instagram has been amazing for us. We've met a lot of our customers, people in the community, other businesses, other farmers. It's been a great way to connect and grow and build. And I think too, the other part about Instagram, it's nice to be able to like show people what we do and how we do it and kind of an inside look at our farm. You know, it's tough to have people out and especially, well, one, we're pretty far out and two it's just we have a lot going on we're still doing projects and everything that's kind of a cool aspect that mm -hmm. social media allows us to provide to our customers so they can see what we're all about what have been some kind of the lessons that you guys have, have learned through the growth process of and kind of being a farmer on social media uh, figuring out like what kind of works and what doesn't. That is the million dollar question, isn't it? You know, what worked yesterday isn't working today. And you just, uh, it's just like everything else. You just kind of have to roll with it. I think right now, Instagram growth is pretty difficult. They've made a lot of different changes. So it's, it's really hit or miss. But I think people like authentic, they want your story. They don't want a repeat of somebody else who's already out there. So I think it's just being yourself being who you are and being authentic and telling your story, however you choose to do that. That's really at the end of the day, what people want, you know, like Ben was touching on just sharing your story. It's, it's the greatest thing when you interact with your customers and you're like, I'll mention something or say, Oh, sorry about this or that. They're like, Oh, we follow you. We know you're doing the ABCD and E. I got you. No, no. Thanks for all your hard work. It's great. You guys having such a large and active community on social media. How do you kind of stay on top of maintaining that while also still managing your farm and taking care of everything else you need to? So again, that's kind of gotten a little more complicated as well with the reels and those kinds of things. Cause normally how I did it was I just snap pictures while I'm doing chores. So it, that part doesn't really take that long. Yeah, I'd just quick write a caption in the morning and it would be easy peasy. I, I would be done. Interacting definitely takes longer and takes some commitment. Now it's a little bit different because they want the reels and the reels take a lot of time to edit. So I have all this footage on my phone, but I just haven't had the time to edit it. It's definitely difficult trying to balance everything. Yeah. And for us, especially now with the addition of our daughter, it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. But I guess I would just say, try to focus on creating, have an idea before you go in so you can make things short and simple. And we don't create a whole lot outside of what we do. So we just try to take what we're already doing and use that as what we're creating. I mean, once in a while, we'll do fun things here and there, fun videos like the Hey Laboratory. But otherwise, it's our life. It's what we do. We're already there. Just take the couple shots as, yeah. as quick and easy as you can. Are there any other kind of, I guess, specifically time-saving tips that for a farmer that's maybe just starting to get into social media that you would recommend so they're not spending hours a day on, on Instagram trying to get posts out to their <laughs> audience? I guess I would just focus on creating and knowing what you want to do and getting your stuff out there. When you have time, quick comment, commenting goes a long way. But if you don't have time, it's okay. People who are following you and who want to follow you, they understand that you're busy and they can see that. So I, I think that's okay too. You don't have to feel obligated to respond and to do all those things. 
Well, you guys operate a, a sustainable and, and regenerative farm and you guys have all your animals are on really big open pastures. But why did you kind of choose to, to go about it that way? I, I think it's mostly just trying to make things easier and trying to utilize what you have. Our farm is half forest and half pasture. So, you know, for us not to use the forest or to not utilize that land would be sort of silly. So it's just sort of a matter of using what we have available to us and making the most of it. And I think that's sort of the the main driver, especially grass fed, grass finished. I mean, when it comes to the beef, we have all the pasture and our cattle do really well in the woods eating the brush. It's just using what we have available and, and trying to mimic nature as much as possible because, you know, it doesn't require anyone to sit in a tractor. It doesn't require burning diesel. Just trying to let the cattle do the work or the cattle, the pigs, whatever animals you have do the work for you. And I think, you know, we can always get better at that aspect for sure. And there's little tweaks and improvements that we can make. But yeah, that's sort of the mindset behind what we do and why we do it that way. I think too, once we see progress, it's amazing to see what this kind of farming can do for the landscape and the soil and the trees and... Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even like something as simple as like right now, we've got a little section between our front 40 and our back 40 where our house is. And we're just trying to fence that off so we don't ever have to start a lawnmower ever again. And I mean, (laughs) I'm just so excited to be able to graze the cattle right next to the house. You know, they'll eat everything down. We'll have a perfectly manicured yard and we won't have to start a lawnmower or do anything like that. That's the part that's really awesome. Cause I mean, there's nothing better than waking up in the morning, going outside with a cup of coffee and the cows are just doing their thing. They're working for you. And in addition to that, we've met a couple people in our neighborhood or area over the past month or so. And we kind of tell them who we are, what we have and what we do. And they're like, you're the people with the woods. And we've had people comment on our woods and tell us how great it looks. And Thank you for taking care of it. It's just cool to be a part of that process and watch that grow. I'm really, really excited for next season is we're going to rent a a tree spade. And instead of like kind of thinning out these trees, the plan is we're going to try to transplant some of these trees back into our pasture that we graze so that we can keep creating the oak savanna and then plant more trees, you know, we'll be able to move all these trees around and get more trees going. So I'm assuming that's kind of where the the name comes from taking that unconventional farmland and and turning it into (laughs) something that's usable. Yeah. Well, the name originally came from we just did stuff different. I don't know that name kind of stuck and then just kind of built on it. Well, as you guys have kind of grown your farm business, I know we've talked a lot about social media, but the important part of that is kind of the go to market side of things and, and actually converting all those followers, hopefully converting them into customers. So what are some of the tactics that you guys have found to be successful in that area? We don't do as much advertising on Instagram. Email has worked as far as changing things into sales. Instagram gives us visibility and and has sent people to our email list and has started a lot of new connections and those kinds of things. I'm guessing then that you guys have like a, at least like a pop-up on your website and and maybe your Facebook too, stuff like that to kind of collect some organically generated emails yeah we do yeah so they can sign up on the on the web on the website and then also yeah we've got the links on the instagram and facebook so it's all kind of connected but i guess we don't really push and try to get everyone's email address and hit them with a bunch of emails like right now the summer months have just been 
insane. That's, you know, we go through cycles. So I think, you know, we're kind of wrapping all the projects up for this summer and trying to get everything. And then we'll kind of shift as winter approaches, we'll shift more towards like inside business stuff Mm -hmm. and where we can kind of focus more on that. So it's kind of seasonal, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that's very true for most farmers. The the winter is kind of the, the time where you're able to be inside and work on some of these things. Also, your guys' winters look freezing. Yeah, I think that must have been during the polar vortex. That was, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that was pretty wild because I think it, we had, uh, and it was probably, did it get down to like negative 30, negative 35, I think oh, for God. like three or four days and all the, like none of the equipment would start everything was freezing off. It was, yeah, that was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Well, so kind of going back to some of the, the business stuff, but it sounds like you're probably using the MailChimp integration with Barn to Door. How, how has that kind of experience been and, and what have you mostly been utilizing that for? It's honestly really seamless. I always call it monkey mail. <laughs> I don't know why they just didn't call it that from the get-go. It's a much better name. <laughs> That's hilarious. In my opinion. <laughs> that I think for me is probably the best feature and I think the only feature we really use as far as the integration at this point. Do you guys, do you mostly use it for newsletters? Yeah, for newsletters, the email is very, very helpful. I've found that that's the most helpful thing that we have as far as connecting with customers and letting them know when the store has been restocked and we're going to deliver and those kinds of things. Well, and I know um, right now you guys, I think you only have a few items in your store. A lot of times buyers kind of appreciate that. Is that something that you guys have kind of found and tried to leverage with keeping your inventory kind of small and, and offering a few products, maybe some bundles where they can get a diverse range of products from your store? I mean, I think that definitely plays into the bundle is keeping it simple seems to people like that. Honestly, we just we've been so sold out because of the pandemic. And, and I think too, that, you know, the old mindset of like people buying a half or a whole hog or a half beef, it kind of shifted because not a lot of people have big, it's like mm-hmm. no one has a freezer. So, yeah. and even if you wanted to get a freezer now, it'd be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. So like putting together little bundles that people can throw in like a regular freezer that, you know, below a fridge and use during the week is, has kind of been a lot more popular than people, you know, wanting half or a whole hog just because space is limited. And yeah, that's just sort of the nature I think of it right now. I mean, that might change, but for the time being, I think most people just, you know, they want a couple cuts for the week and then yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. how they roll because they don't have the space or yeah. And I think the whole and the half, it can be intimidating as well. Yeah. People don't know how to order or they get a bunch of cuts that they don't know how to use. And it's just not the right, I don't think it's the right fit for the majority of people. Right. The majority of our customer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've really tried to make that the whole and half process like really easy too and, and try to explain it and tell yeah. people exactly what they get and what how we get our pigs done or cut at the processor so they can get exactly what we already sell retail but again it just comes down to i mean storage and yeah i think it's, it's a, just easier for people to do the bundles well and, and it's a big chunk of change too yeah it's an investment 
some people yeah. just don't want it. Well, I think that the little bundles have been probably the best for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, being able to sell little bundles here, instead of just selling out of everything gives people a chance to try our product and see what they like and what they don't like. Which is actually why we started with the individual cuts in the first place is because all we had was two steers because we were building up our herd. Yeah. So when all you have is two steers or three steers and six pigs that doesn't go very far the individual cuts has allowed us to have more people try our product and reach a wider audience Mm -hmm. that's really interesting kind of a a cool tactic there single purchase item can kind of hook somebody and get get them coming to the store that's really cool well, I guess kind of just as, as the final question here, we've talked a lot about some of the projects you guys have been doing at the farm and things like that. What are some of the projects you're looking to tackle next? Well, we just came off the, we just finished fencing our whole perimeter. So that's been the major, major, major thing. So yeah, crazy fence bender. Uh, yeah. No, I think, I think probably going into, and it's crazy because we always say, oh, when things slow down, when things slow down, but it's like you finish one project and add four more. So, but I think like big projects coming forward, probably going to be clearing out more of the trees and opening up the canopy. There's probably at least, I don't know, 25 or 30 acres that still need to be gone through. And and there's a lot of, we've got a lot of oak blight. So we probably mark some of these trees that are diseased and get those guys cut down. So that'll probably be winter project. We're going to finish up fencing around the house so we can graze the cattle here at the house. And then just about every square inch of our land will be fenced and able to be grazed. The less we have to start a tractor or burn some diesel is the better. So yeah. I want to extend my thanks to Ben and Mel for joining us on this week's podcast episode. Here at Barn to Door, we are humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, including farmers like Ben and Mel, who implement sustainable agricultural practices and support their local community. For more information on Unconventional Acres, visit unconventionalacres.com. To learn more about Barn to Door, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, go to barntodoor.com resources. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.